Always keep this in mind that when you succumb to the elegance and attractiveness of sin, the devil doesn't lose anything, you do. And if you don't change your ways by living a lifestyle of sin, of constantly falling and giving into temptation, nothing good will ever be present now and least of all in the eternal future. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. As part of today's message, we'll be seeing the elegance and attractiveness of sin and how ultimately the devil tries to tempt each and every one of us into falling into sin and causing our downfall here and now, but even more importantly, bringing about our eternal separation from God. We need to be very careful because when we don't submit our will to Christ and we don't lead spirit-filled lives, we will stray away completely and our end will not be good. Today's message is based on the book of Acts, chapter 24, verses 1 to 9. Let's listen to today's message and see what God's Word has to say about all of this. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory and praise and majesty be to you, O Lord God. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever and ever. Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you may please always remember us in your mercy and in your grace. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be mindful of everything that we do and to understand, Lord God, that you only want our good and that we need to be careful with temptation and with sin in our lives. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may speak to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit, but help us above all to have soft hearts and open minds to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Our scripture passage reading today is found in the book of Acts, chapter 24, verse 1 to 9. This is the word of the Lord. Now after five days, Ananias the high priest came down with the elders and a certain orator named Tertullus. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation, saying, See that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight. We accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us, for we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, and we seized him, and wanted to judge him according to our law. But the commander Lysias came by, and with great violence took him out of our hands, commanding his accusers to come to you. By examining him yourself, you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him. And the Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. One of the things we can gather through this passage is that evil can present itself in a very seductive and flattering way. This is one of the things we need to be careful with the most, because sin is always presented in an attractive manner, one way or another. And if we are talking about being tempted, then we need to bring to the light the tempter, Satan. Satan is a tempter, and he presents temptation always as something attractive, seductive, alluring, enticing, and pleasant. He appeals to the weaknesses of our flesh, to our senses, and to focus on the here and now. He tells you what you want to hear. 
and he will try to get you in your time of most weakness and need, subtly. If we dig into the passage a little, we can see this turtleus and how he uses flattery and eloquence to try to convince Felix, the Roman procurator for Judea. And we know that Tertullus is lying about Paul and everything related to Paul, and that he is even accusing Lysias, a Roman commander himself, of wrongdoing as well. And so Tertullus appeals to Felix's ego to get him to do a great injustice against Paul. That's how Satan works. So this is a good example that opens the door to understanding further Satan's methods and what we need to watch out for, as well as when other people allow themselves to be used by the enemy because they have succumbed to those very weaknesses in their flesh and decided to obey the sin that dwells within them. We can start looking at Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 13, where the devil tried tempting Jesus, the Son of God himself. This is what we read. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, until an opportune time. Did you see how the devil operates? Now, keep in mind that the devil tempted Jesus the entire 40 days while he was in the wilderness. He was relentless. The Bible gives us insight of only three instances within those 40 days in this passage. In the first instance, Satan tries to tempt the Lord by trying to get him to divinely take care of a physical, human, and natural need. Jesus was very hungry, physically speaking. And so the devil tries to tempt the Lord in trying to get him to do what he is telling him to do, to obey him. Here is the most important detail that needs to be gathered through this passage and every other thing that is involved with temptation. And that is that the devil's goal is ultimately to get you to obey him, to do what he tells you in one way or another. That's what he attempted to do with Christ, to get Christ to obey him. In the second instance, the devil tried to tempt the Lord with worldly power. Now, in this instance, the devil was not lying. God has granted the devil some limited dominion over the world. This world is under the devil's influence because it is a sin-ridden place. But again, the devil was trying to get Christ to be sensitive to his limited human position so he could feel the need to change his circumstances, but by trying to make the Lord worship the devil. 
So here yet again, the devil was trying to get Jesus to obey him, to submit to him, and he was trying to do it in a very dire and weak moment. In the third instance, we see the devil in his best performance, if you will, where he even used scripture to try to get Jesus to obey him. This is the best example we can see of how he tries to use apparent truth, something that sounds very close to the truth, to get a person to obey him. Because after all, if the devil used this against the Lord himself, why would he not use it on us? He subtly and very connivingly will try to make his lie seem as truthful and as sincere as possible. And in his quest to get you to obey him, he will try to convince you by telling you what you want to hear. Don't you think that Jesus was hungry during those 40 days? Don't you think he would have wanted to change his dire condition during those 40 days? Don't you think he would have wanted to see a miracle happen in the middle of that wilderness for his own human benefit? On a physical side, in our likeness, of course. We need to remember that although Jesus was God, he was in the flesh. He still had every attribute of the flesh, except sin, on his person. His five senses were working on his flesh. Jesus did feel hunger. He felt pain. He felt physical torment. But despite all of that, he did not forget the reason for why the Spirit led him into the wilderness to begin with. There was a different purpose that went against the weaknesses and torment on his flesh. God had a purpose for all of that at that moment. And of course, throughout the course of the Lord's life. And that is what Satan wants to undo, influence, and ultimately alter. God's plan, God's purpose, God's desire. We will get into why Satan tries to do that later on. But for now, let's continue to see the methods the devil employs. We see that the devil tried to tempt Jesus through Peter in another instance, to try to derail God's purpose. And here is where we see that if we are not careful, at any given moment, we can become the devil's instruments, if we choose to focus on the things of man, on the flesh. In Matthew chapter 16, we see the following story where we see Peter's transitions from one moment, receiving divine revelation, to another moment, becoming a tool for the devil. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 23, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. See how that happens? When a person chooses to focus on God's purposes, 
Then they become God's instrument, and of course, good is produced. But when a person chooses to focus on carnal things, on the things of the flesh, ultimately on sin, then corruption is produced. Now let's look at that from Jesus' perspective. The Lord knew that His whole purpose to come to this earth was to die for the sins of all humanity. It was going to be the most horrible experience any human being could endure, that God Himself was going to live this in the flesh. Yet one of His key disciples, Peter, was trying to sway him from that very mission. Could you imagine if Jesus would have said, Yeah, Peter, you're right. I shouldn't allow for that to happen to me. And Jesus could have reasoned himself out of the whole process. Jesus could have thought, This is going to be a very painful and terrible experience. And I'm not going to do it for myself, but rather for my enemies, because everyone that has not surrendered their life to God is my enemy and is under the influence and power of the devil. Without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we would have had no hope, no promise of eternal life. The only good we could ever experience would be those few small moments through this life. And after that, hell awaits. Blessed be the Lord Jesus Christ that he didn't listen to Peter and that he never obeyed the devil in any kind of way because he was completely sinless. Our hope is still very much in effect because Jesus obeyed and carried out things perfectly. He never gave in to temptation, despite living in the flesh in the same condition you and I have. Now, if we start looking at how the devil tempted man, we can see this at the very beginning where sin entered the world through man's fall. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 6 tells us the following. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. In this passage, we need to try to capture some details in order to glean what we need to. The first thing we can see is the approach. The Bible tells us here that the serpent was the most cunning beast of the field, meaning that it had different abilities as compared to the rest. And apparently, that included getting close to the woman without setting off any alarms and even had the ability to strike up a conversation, so all defenses were down. And why wouldn't that be the case? Because everything was right in the world up to that point, right? Now, the second thing we can see is that the serpent starts questioning God's direction, what God said. That's where the temptation started, attempting to cast a shadow on God's word, on God's warning. Now that very entrance is what gets the conversation going between the woman and the serpent. The woman should have just cut that conversation right away, especially if she valued God's word, God's instruction. The part where the woman starts getting all caught up is when she starts adding to what God said and even exaggerating what God said. God said not to eat of the fruit, but he didn't say anything about not touching it. The woman starts screwing things up. And then when the devil sees the woman in her moment of weakness, 
He strikes by casting doubt, by lying. He tells her, you will not surely die. And then he plants the bait and he tries to make sin sound attractive and pleasing. So the devil lied. And then he makes her mistrust God, making her think that God is holding out on her. And now that the temptation is set, the woman starts examining things and sees that there is some truth to what the serpent is saying. And well, the rest is history. And notice this detail. The man didn't get involved with the forbidden fruit when he was on his own. Because remember, the woman came after the man. The problem is that the devil tempted man through the woman. There was no argument between the man and the woman. Adam didn't say to Eve, Eve, what are you doing? She just gave the fruit to the man and he ate it. And so the devil may tempt you directly or through other people you are weak with. The devil is a smart one. No human will ever be smarter than the devil. It's just not possible. Now, if we continue examining scripture, the Bible gives warnings against the seductress. The seductress may be a person that Satan uses to destroy you. It could be a man or a woman. So let's keep things equal because that is a reality. Or Satan himself through different circumstances, through the things of the world. Proverbs chapter 5 says this, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Lend your ear to my understanding, that you may preserve discretion, and your lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. And her mouth is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell, lest you ponder her path of life. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Therefore, hear me now, my children, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remove your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house lest you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one, lest aliens be filled with your wealth and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed and say, how I have hated instruction and my heart despised correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. The devil in whatever approach he chooses to take to make you fall, will always be seducing. He will never attempt to scare you off. That's just not the way he works. Satan will also use false ministers and teachers and preachers to tempt you in the following wrong path. First Peter chapter 2, verse 18 and 22 says this, For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. So you see, you can't trust everyone even if they profess to speak on God's behalf, and even if they use scripture to try to persuade you. 
We need to be extremely careful who we listen to, no matter how nice and good and alluring may be what they're saying. Alarms should go off when someone is trying to convince you by appealing to the desires of your flesh, and you know what that is. You know when something is catering to your desires. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 to 15, it also says this, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So look at that. Satan transforms himself into an angel of light, and those that are entangled with him also do it as well. Who is going to run away from an angel of light? We need to be careful. That's why we need to surrender our lives to Christ and look to obey him, even if things may not be appealing to our present circumstances, not just for our eternal salvation, but also so we can be under his lordship and direction so that we don't derail from the truth. The truth of God is the only thing that will make you truly and eternally free. If you follow anything else, especially the weaknesses of your flesh, your sinful and carnal desires, then you are just remaining captive to the sin within you. And if you follow down that path, your eternal destruction awaits. When we come to Christ and when we surrender our lives to him, that is only the beginning. We need to stay on the course. We need to abide in him. We always have free will. And so in one moment we can be fine and in another moment we can veer off if we are not careful. And if we continue down that detour, things will not be good for us in the end. We need to stay close to the Lord and subdue the flesh through the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to look to do God's will for our own good. Now, having said all of this, why does Satan go through all of this trouble? Why does he do what he does? What makes him tick, if you will? Satan is all evil. He is a thief. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. When you understand the nature of something, then you are able to understand what it is capable of. The devil is incapable of anything good. He has no good intentions. The moment envy for God and pride came into his being, he turned into what he is today, and he will be that for all eternity. And when a being is total, 100% evil, then everything they do is evil. When the devil tempts you, he's only looking to cause your destruction sooner or later. And he is patient and relentless. The devil never rests and he waits for opportune times to strike when you least expect it. The devil is watching you right now because he is the one of the witnesses along with other demons. That is part of the cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about. He is eternally condemned and he wants two main things. That if he goes down, he wants to take as many people as possible with him because he is all evil and because somewhere within him, he still believes he can be like God. He still covets God's throne. He is not changed, nor will he ever change. Here is what the Bible says about him in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 to 15, where it says, 
How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. That's the devil's story. And it still remains the same to this day. And it will always be his story forever. Always keep this in mind that when you succumb to the elegance and attractiveness of sin, the devil doesn't lose anything, you do. And if you don't change your ways by living a lifestyle of sin, of constantly falling and giving into temptation, nothing good will ever be present now and least of all in the eternal future. It may all seem fine and good now or at the moment, and you may even be happy at the moment, but everything has consequences. And some consequences occur here now, but some consequences may carry into eternity. And there is nothing you can do then except await God's judgment, something that every human being will endure without exception. That's why the Bible gives us this very excellent advice. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the windows grow dim, when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words. And what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Sin will always be presented in a tempting and seducing manner, because that is the way the devil operates. It will always be something either eloquent or tempting or seducing or enticing or desirable. Ultimately, any and every way it can be to make you think more about the here and now and forget about what happens later. What we need to keep in mind that no matter how attractive temptation may be, 
before we act, before we choose to do what is wrong and evil before the Lord, we should just take a moment to think about the consequences, about what could go wrong here and now, but even more importantly, how this wrong decision could impact your eternity. What would God say about what you are doing? How would He react to what you are doing? If you truly believe in God, then act accordingly. God is love, but He is also consuming fire. That is who God is. But here is the great news behind all of this. God grants new beginnings to those that do want to change their life around through Jesus Christ. God does forgive sin. When we repent with all of our hearts, when we stop doing what is wrong, when we turn away from evil, God is a God of mercy and of love, of grace and of patience. And His desire is that we all learn that all He wants for us is our eternal good, our eternal reward. But in order to break with the cycle of sin within our lives, we need to learn how to love God through Jesus Christ and learn how to get rid of all those things that ultimately bring about our own destruction because that is all sin does. Sin has never helped anyone. And of course, the devil will never help anyone. Like it was said before, the thief, the devil, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so, let go of sin. Let go of death. Don't give in to temptation anymore. And go to Jesus who came to give you life, eternal life, and eternal and everlasting reward. No one can give you what the Lord Jesus Christ can. And so, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory be to you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. That you are so good to us that despite all of our wrongs, all the things that we have done against you, you are willing to forgive us. But we need to turn away from that sin, from that evil. We need to repent and convert with all of our hearts. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, not to excuse the wrongs that we've done, but help us, O Lord, to acknowledge them and to repent from them and to turn with all of our hearts to you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, O Lord. Help us to understand that we need to be careful with temptation, that we need to move far and away from it, that we cannot fall. Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to not fall, to not give in. Heavenly Father, help us to be able to cling on to your word, to grow in faith in you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, empower us through your Holy Spirit, that we may be able to remain faithful to you during our time here, so that when this is all done and gone, and we stand before you, that we can stand justified through your Son, Jesus Christ because we have remained faithful in Him. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that is listening. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you may help them to understand that they need to be careful with sin, and they need to be careful with temptation, and they need to be able to 
be attentive to you. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer or someone to talk to, please email us through our website. We would love to help. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcasts in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.